Okay, welcome everybody. We are in a series, The Gift of the Holy Spirit. Today's message is The Divine Conqueror. I am Dr. Mary Craig. It is June 25, 2023. This is Mary Craig Ministries, Craig House Christian Fellowship. And let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the body and blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. We come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, whose we are and whom we serve. Thank you, Lord, for his obedience. We thank you, Lord, that in fulfilling all righteousness, He even died to pay the penalty for sin. We thank you that we have redemption in his blood, the sacrifice of himself. Thank you for the reconciliation. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus bore your wrath, bore the curse, bore the sin, and bore the glory. Jesus destroyed the works of darkness, defeating Satan and his kingdom publicly. Thank you, Lord God, for the sending of the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Christ, the divine conqueror. We pray today, Lord, please, We love because you first loved us. And so we come to you today and ask you, please, to love us. You have demonstrated that love for us in our behalf. But we ask you also, love us, God. Love us. We know that you go through the circumstances of our lives with us, that you are for us. You are working through us, and we thank you, Lord. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and anoint us even now in Jesus' name. Amen. The Holy Spirit fights for the life of his children. But what is the nature of the battle and against what and whom? Today we consider the Holy Spirit as he moves to conquer. Now we are to see the Spirit of Christ as joyful, triumphant, and victorious. 1 John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil and may those works be destroyed from our midst right now in Jesus' name. Under the covenant, God is bound to destroy his enemies, anything that opposes his nature and ways. Therefore, 
We do not want to become the enemy of God, whether Father, Son, or Holy Spirit. Whenever we practice sin, we are the enemy of God. Whenever we are the friend of the world, we are the enemy of God. Whenever we are functioning in the flesh, the flesh is at war with the spirit. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes all that is anti-Christ. Spiritual warfare. We call the war against the enemies of God, against sin, self, Satan, and the world system, spiritual warfare. Satan is the adversary, the one who opposes Christ. The one who accuses, lies, murders, steals, rebels against the Creator, and wants worship for himself. The Son of God was manifested in order that he might or should be loosing or annulling the acts of the adversary. Now, this is a little bit technical, but I think it's worth going through. The root word luo, it's transliterated L-U-O in, into English, Greek number 3089, has the following meanings, plural, depending on context and grammar. <clears throat> These are different meanings. Depending. Number one, to loose any person or thing tied or fastened, either by bandages of the feet or the shoes, or of a husband and wife joined together by the bond of matrimony, or of a single man, whether he has already had a wife or has not yet married. That's the first category. Second category. To loose one bound, that is, to unbind, release from bonds, set free of one bound up or bandaged up, or bound with chains like as a prisoner, to discharge from prison, let go. Number three, to loosen, undo, dissolve anything bound, tied, or compacted together. And it's like an assembly to dismiss or break up, or like laws as having a binding force are likened to bonds, or to annul or even subvert, or to do away with, to deprive of authority, whether by precept or act, or to declare unlawful, 
or to loose what is compacted or built together, to break up, demolish, destroy, or to dissolve something coherent into parts, to destroy, or a metaphor, no, metaphysically, to overthrow, to do away with. Okay, that's that's kind of um, about the Greek word loose, luo, translated loose. Now the victory of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. We as believers need to see the victory of Jesus' atoning work in salvation. Maybe we remember some triumphant victory march in history when a battle was won and especially a war. Ours is an already and not yet situation. The victory has been won, or as many say, the war has been won, but as things play out in time, not yet. So... We have our battles. The conquest. This conquering is a conquering of sin in our lives and of evil in the world and of the devil and the kingdom of darkness. Cooperating with the Holy Spirit in the sanctification process means listening and responding when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin leading to or being convinced leading to our confession of both sin and Christ, that is, acknowledging the truth, leading to our asking for the granting of repentance unto life, leading to cleansing of unrighteousness and conversion. conversion. God's enemies must become our enemies. We need to see what's out there trying to destroy us in reality so that we can be free to enjoy God's blessing in our lives. Now, that doesn't mean we need to participate in order to know about it. No. Maybe we should say we need to understand what's out there. We can get all that understanding right from the Bible. You don't need to. You don't need um, to use that as an excuse to get it out there. Um, and experience something evil for yourself, you know. The Holy Spirit prevailed. The Holy Spirit is the divine conqueror working to bring rejoicing and to express his triumph over the adversary's attempt to destroy life. Remember, the devil is out to destroy life. And right now, today, um, he really wants to destroy young people and children. He really, that's, 
that's I've seen that as a major target now for many years. It ruined their reputations, ruined them in some way. He's out to destroy them so that uh, they give up. That's why suicide among young people is on the rise. Exalted worship is a means of spiritual warfare when we engage in exalted worship, especially as we announce to the spirit world passages like Colossians 2, verses 13 to 15, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, Revelation 5, verse 2 and 5, and Romans 8, verses 31 to 39. <clears throat> now, another Greek word, nekao, means to conquer or prevail. Nekao, nekao. Some say nekao. Looks like others say nekao. Who knows? Um, but it means to conquer. If it sounds like Nike, you got it if you're thinking of that. It means to conquer, overcome, carry off the victory. And we can think we can think of Nike shoes, the brand Nike, um, and also the goddess Nike, who was the goddess of victory. But the word itself means to prevail, to conquer. Jesus Christ was victorious, over all his enemies. He was and is and will be victorious. He calls us to be victorious and to conquer and to overcome in his name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Believers are to hold fast their faith, even unto death against the powers of their enemies and temptations and persecutions. We are free ourselves, win the case, maintain the cause, deprive the enemy its power to do harm and to subvert its influence. We are to keep ourselves spotless, unstained by the world, remain courageous and constant against the adversary's devices, his schemes, solicitations, and assaults. 1 John 2, verses 13 and 14. By the force that resides in goodness and kindness, we are to overcome evil and to cause an enemy to repent of the wrong he has done. Romans 12, verse 21. We are to overcome the evil one. We overcome general evil by doing specific acts of good. How so? 1 John 4, verse 4. 
The one who is in the believer is greater than the one who is in the world. That one is the Holy Spirit residing in us. The other side has many spirits. None match the power of the Holy Spirit who is omnipotent. First John 5 verses 3 to 5. And I will try to tell this little story here. Um, what happened. <clears throat> I finished college undergraduate work later in my life. So I went back to college to finish up. I didn't have too much more to do. And I um, was in these different classes and one of them was the rhetoric of social, the rhetoric of social protest. And the professor was younger than I was, um, and um, all over the syllabus they give the, this thing called the syllabus. All over the syllabus were these satanic symbols. So when I came home and saw that, I cut those all out, you know, leaving the other parts, but I cut those out. Well, I always sit in the front so I don't get distracted. And so she saw I had cut out these symbols and blah, blah, blah. And um, anyway, uh, it turned out she was in a local coven of witches. And um, so she asked the the head, whatever they're called, um, of the local coven, this woman, to come and speak. And so this woman comes and she kind of played the part. I know she had pointed shoes and all this stuff. And she came with all this paraphernalia, rattles and, you know, stuff, all this different stuff. And um, and there she was. And since I was in the front row, of course, she was pretty much directly across from me with a walk, little walk space in between. And she was behind the table doing her thing. And it wasn't working. And um, uh, so that kind of made her a little mad. And I was praying for the other. There were all young people in the room. I was praying for them. Anyway, most of them got up and left, though. They were afraid. And anyway, after that was lunchtime. So I'm in the cafeteria. And... um, in the cafeteria line, and all of a sudden, I get hit from behind in the back. Um, I'd had this happen to me once before in London, standing at the edge of a curb, and it was like some something hit me in the back, and I fell down in, into the street. Um, it was a long time ago, so I could get myself up, but anyway, and... So I felt this hit in the back, and of course, 
It was designed to make my trade fall. But my trade did not fall. And and then I looked over and there was this woman that Chief Witch, I forget what they're called, High Priestess or whatever she was. And the people um on their side from this coven sitting at a table in the cafeteria. So all of a sudden, you know, they wanted me to come and sit with them. And uh, I did hear the Holy Spirit, and it was like, go sit there. But, you know, it was his battle. It would be the Lord's battle. So I'm just sitting there being nice or whatever, not doing anything. And they're all talking about how dedicated they are to fasting and whatever. And they are very dedicated, believe me. Not just the fasting. They're way more dedicated than most Christians. And But there was this young girl, and they were trying to get her into the coven <clears throat> and to join. And so all of a sudden she looks at the witch and she looks at me, and suddenly she says, you're not like them, are you? Like, you're different. And I said, yes. I just said, yes. That's because the one who is in me is greater than the one that's in her. And I took my hand and I had pointed to myself when I said, the one that is in me, and I pointed to myself, is greater than the one that's in her. I pointed to her. When I pointed to her... Uh, she had all these amulets on around her neck. They got burning hot, and she literally yanked them off her neck. And I just looked. I was like, I didn't do it, you know. I didn't do it. And and then, just to show, you know, this was God. Well, it was good. She drank milk. That was good. And But when she picked up her milk to drink it, and she started drinking it, it had turned completely sour. It was okay just a few minutes before, but it had turned completely sour. And then she looked at me like, Who are you, lady? Who are you? And I just sat there because that's what I was told to do. And um, after that, God opened up opportunities to talk with the professor of, of the class I was in and even to lead several of the classes. One I know was on what is truth, and another one was about um, abortion, the right to life. And some of the people in there, the class, you know, spit spit in my face and they didn't like me. Somehow they knew I was a Christian. And um, without me even saying anything. So that's the war. But greater is he that is in us. 
and he is in the world. All right, remember that. Now what I'm going to talk about is from an article I wrote called The Anointing for Cosmic Warfare. I really don't know how long ago I wrote it, but it was some time ago. So what is the anointing that overcomes? The Holy Spirit's answer to me came simply, yet the profound impact of the truth is transforming. And it is John 3.16. God so loved the world and his cosmos there that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Romans 5.5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. So God's love for the cosmos comes into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That love prevailed against the very gates of hell. Faith works by love, Galatians 5, verse 6. Perfect love casts out fear, 1 John chapter 4. We fight antichrist spirits, whoredoms and error and the like. False prophets have gone out into the world. We are to try the spirits, test them. And how do we know? What fruit do we look for? Well, you have to read First John chapter 4, and you will see that it is love. Satan and the enemies of darkness hate. Believe me, they'll act, all these things act like they're your friends and friendly and blah, blah, blah. Just remember, the devil and these the entities in this kingdom of darkness hate. They work by fear. Our faith overcomes. He that is in within us, again, is greater than he that is in the world. Faith works by love. God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We ought to love one another. We have been given the Holy Spirit, His Spirit, that we might testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. We, by the Spirit, abide in Christ and He in us. The desire for self-preservation. So, what's stopping us? From walking in the anointing of God's love, quite directly, it is our desire for self-preservation. We need to be in control. We fear losing control. Losing our, quote, self, unquote. Losing power over our own lives. In trying to preserve our own life, we fall in the corruption of sin. The iniquity of our little hearts bent toward evil. 
brings inner woundedness. We put up barriers, strongholds, fortresses of protection. We set ourselves up for rejection and don't even know it. We have something to prove, things to justify, issues of worth. We have something to preserve, things to control, issues of self-preservation, self-defense. We have something to promote ourselves. We can overcome this need and desire to prove, preserve, and promote ourselves and walk in the anointing for cosmic warfare by following the two dimensions of God's command to love the Lord our God and to love others. Okay, so we want to talk about loving God. We do this as we embrace God's love for us. We love because he first loved us. If we think of loving God in the context of loyalty or fidelity, we come closer to what loving God means. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. In supreme loyalty and attachment to Jesus Christ, we are given grace to obey through faith, which works by love. If we believe in Christ, we are also to believe him. If we believe him, then we will come to believe what Jesus believes and walk in a deeper faith. Since we love because God first loved us, Let's consider God's love. Number one, God's love overcomes our fears. Fear drives our need for self-preservation, our need to prove and to promote ourselves. We are trying to preserve our own life. God's love and our fear reverence, awe, and worship of him overcome our own fears. Number two, God's love overcomes our need to be in control. The need to prove, to promote, and to preserve our own life drives the desires of lust and pride. We become like Lucifer, wanting to exalt ourselves to the position of God, wanting to be in control. We learn subtle ways of manipulation. We slip into counterfeit spiritual authority and witchcraft. Number three, God's love overcomes lust and pride by the outworking of a new nature, a new creation, works within. God's love works within us as we embrace his love for us. Number four, God's love preserves 
our life in Christ. We are kept by the very power of God, a power generated by his love, First Peter 1. Number five, God's love overcomes rejection, woundedness, and the corruption of sin, John chapter 3. Number six, God's love is the provision and the promise, Romans 8. Number seven, God's holy love removes all that would separate us from him. For vital spiritual union is the objective, Ephesians chapter 2. God's, number eight, God's love sustains life by the supply of the Holy Spirit, Romans 8. So God is God. He is above only and below no one. He is transcendent, radiant in his glory. He speaks and acts all his good pleasure. He gives. He loves, he cares, he carries. We thank him in every circumstance, for he is in every circumstance of our lives. He has not left us as orphans, fatherless. He is comfort, our comforter. He infuses us with fortitude, comfort. Strengthening our souls, our hearts. Now, let me tell you more of God's love. The living God sets us free. Through the atoning work of Christ on the cross, we are loosed from sin, transgression, and trespass. Loose from the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. God's wrath is propitiated. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, reconciled with the living God, who now becomes our Heavenly Father. With the debt note of sin and its penalty paid in full, we are set free from the strongholds of Satan. God heals. God binds up our wounds. God cleanses our conscience by the blood of Christ. God clothes us with the rich covering of Christ's righteousness. God creates in us a new heart enabling us to love. <clears throat> Satan counterfeits and smears. He profanes the sacred in his hatred of God. Look at what he especially hates. And then consider what of God must be so for Satan to hate it so much. You ever notice how people get away with all kinds of vulgar speech and curse words and all like that, and 
and nothing is done, and or they get away with it. But the one thing they love to do is curse Jesus and use the name of Jesus as a curse word. And so many times you ask a young person, who is Jesus? And they don't know, but they do know Jesus is a word they hear used as a curse word. It's a curse word. That's just the devil. But won't they be surprised someday? The devil hates that name. The devil wants to kill the creator and take his place. But the devil lost the war. The devil is a liar, a murderer, and a thief. He incites the doing of evil. He wants people to curse God and die or maneuver people into a position where they are cursed by God and die. Examine God's word. Embrace God's love of you and you will love in obedience to Christ's command. Satan's hatred is overcome by God's love for the cosmos. By embracing God and receiving his love, we release the power of God's love into our world. His love enables us to love others as he has commanded. Is that an easy thing? No, it's not, because... um, We may not be able to trust, trust God. And we have to receive his love. And many, many, many people have a hard time receiving God's love. Um, They want the goodies. They want the gifts. They want all the stuff. They want free stuff. Especially, but they don't want God himself. And the Holy Spirit is the promised one, the promise of the Father. They, they don't want that. I had a woman run out of my living room years ago. Oh, she said she wanted to know the Holy Spirit and all this stuff. I said, are you sure? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And then, so I prayed and we prayed and then the windows started to rattle a little bit and then the Holy Spirit manifested and she got up and she was kind of screaming and she ran to the front door to leave. She said, I didn't know God was real. And she couldn't get out of that, out of there fast enough. I mean, God is real and he's not fooling around. But 
we may have a hard time receiving his love. His love enables us to love others. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother or sister abides in death. 1 John 3, verse 14. Now, loving others is the second dimension of cosmic warfare. And we're going to consider that the next, in the next message in this series. But just remember, the Holy Spirit conquers by love to overcome evil. His love never fails. Amen. And let's pray. Father God, We do come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't understand this love. We really don't. And we know it's difficult to embrace your love for us because it's it's also a jealous love. You are the flame of Yah. You are consuming fire. Your love is holy and pure and undefiled and does no harm. We don't understand that love. and But we need that love. And so I again come to you and, and beg you to love us. Love us. Sanctify us by your Holy Spirit and your truth. Your word is spirit and truth. Sanctify us, O God, and prepare us to live with you, a holy God, forever, because that is the destiny of every true believer, every person born again, born out of God. We will live with you forever, and you do not change. You do not change. So all change is on our part. But we ask you to love us. I ask you to have mercy on us. I ask you to bless us, to to let us walk in your favor. And Lord, that you would bless us with your presence. That yes, we would even embrace those times of hard sanctification when you are purifying us, when we have trials and tribulation and we are to count it all joy 
That takes maturity, understanding who you are and how you how you do your nature and your ways. Lord God, you are holy and you are sovereign. And we are only dust. Please remember, pity our frames. We are only dust. We are finite. And we have these little hearts bent towards evil. So please, let the Word of God dwell in us richly. Implant truth in the inner parts. And may we walk in the victory of Jesus Christ. Because maybe we lose a battle here and there. But you have overcome. The Lord Jesus Christ has overcome. And rose from the dead. And you, the Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, accepted the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. And Jesus sits at the right hand of the throne of God. King of kings and Lord of lords, ruler over the kings of this earth. And may we always remember it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And now if you please stand for the benediction. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now may the God of the peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.